will never fix what's wrong by focusing on what's wrong. I don't know if I've ever said it quite like that, but I'll say it again. You'll never fix what's wrong by focusing on what's wrong. You've got to find out what's right. Find out what the Bible says is right with you and then magnify what's right with you. Focus on what's right with you. And what you're going to discover is that what's right with you will fix what's wrong with you. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter five. We've looked at this for a number of weeks. You can probably quote it by now. But just skip all the way down to the last verse in this chapter. Verse 21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Say this last part with me. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. God made Jesus who knew no sin. When he went to the cross, he became sin for us. So that we, and you could add here, who knew no righteousness could be made, could become the righteousness of God in Christ. That is what's right with you, and that's what's right with you right now. Righteousness is, is not something you will be. Righteous is not something you're ab about to be if you can keep it together long enough. No, through faith in Jesus, you are right with God, and you're right with God when? Right now. And this is what's right with you. So let's make that confession of faith again together. I am the righteousness of God. Now don't forget these last two words. In Christ. It's those who are in Christ Jesus who have been made right with God. Listen to it once again from the New Living Translation. It says, God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I like the Amplified Classic that says, For our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewing as being in examples of the righteousness of God. That's what we ought to be. Now listen to these words. Approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. This is just what it means to be righteous. It means to be approved of, to be acceptable, to be accepted by God, to be in right relationship with him. And as we've said over the last couple of weeks, man, that is when life gets so sweet, when relationships are good, when relationships are right and what they should be. And many of you have noticed this before. It doesn't matter what else is going right. You could have a bunch of money stacked up in the bank. You could be doing good at work. You could have the dream job that you've always wanted. But if relationships aren't right, it's almost as though none of the other stuff matters. None of the other stuff is sweet because it's, the, it's relationships being right that makes life sweet. And how much more so our relationship with God. Man, when that is right, everything is right. And that's what righteousness is. It means to be approved, acceptable, and in right relationship with Him. Now, I grew up in a house and around a ministry, my parents and grandparents, in ministry my entire life, and the message of righteousness was something I heard preached a lot. It's something that my grandfather, when he first stepped into the ministry... 
He was just kind of preaching what he had heard, but uh, somebody gave him a stack of books by a, a man named E.W. Kenyon. And I don't know if you're familiar with him, but this is somebody who lived and preached and, and wrote decades ago. And um, my grandfather had never heard him, or I don't think at that point anyway, but he, he got a hold of a book, and I think this one particular was called, um, what is that one, Sarah? The, the Realities of Redemption. Realities of Redemption. And this book was all about our righteousness and this, this restored relationship with God. And my grandfather tells the story about when he was reading it. He happened to be on an airplane at the time. And he was sitting on the, the front row there of the airplane. And he's getting so fired up as he reads this. And, and he's got tears coming to his eyes. He's crying. He's shouting. He's excited. He's on an airplane with a bunch of people. And the, the woman, he says, pushing the booze cart, <laughs> who was coming down the aisle offering drinks to everybody, got to him and she said, can I get you a drink? Oh, no, you've had too much already. And she <laughs> went right past him, thought he was drunk already. That's how fired up he got when he first really got a revelation of the right, being the righteousness of God in Christ. Some of these things I'm talking to you about right now. And that's what this revelation has the power to do in your life. It has the ability to to totally change the way you see your life and honestly, the way you see you. Because so many people have trained themselves to look at themselves and see only what's wrong. Stand in front of a mirror and their eyes go straight to the parts they don't like, where there's too much of this and not enough that and and thinning back here, and they go straight to what they don't like, and that's where they focus. And they don't just do it physically, but they can do it in every area of life. They can pinpoint with precision, here's what's wrong, here's what hurts, here's what I don't like, here's what I wish was different. But when you find out that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, and you are that right now, you quit all this focus on what's wrong, and you get excited about what's right. And this becomes your confession of faith when something's wrong. When you do have pain, when there is a lack, a shortage, or there is distance in relationship because of strife and division, your confession becomes, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And that confession of faith, in spite of what you see physically, when you'll make that declaration and make it bold, it will begin to change what's wrong. And going back several weeks, we talked about making that more of a practice in our lives, putting those words in our mouths all the time, hundreds if not thousands of times throughout a day or a week, just to say it over and over, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. When something hurts, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. When there's a lack or a need, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And that confession requires, to me, in my estimation, the highest degree of faith possible. Because you're making that confession while you look at something physically off or wrong. When you see something, when your, your physical eyes see something that's not right, it takes faith to declare that you are the righteousness of God. When you see your mistake, when you see your failure, when you see your sin, 
And you see it better than anybody else. And still you declare who you are in Jesus. That takes some faith. And God honors that faith. It pleases Him. And notice these words again from the Amplified Classic. What it means to be righteous. It means to be approved. It means to be acceptable or accepted. And means to be in right relationship. But notice this. In Him. Help me, Lord, with this today. To be in right standing with God is to be approved by Him. Which means you're not disapproved of by Him. Means to be accepted by Him. Which means you're not rejected by Him. It means to be in right relationship with Him. Which means everything with God is good. I started to tell you a moment ago, growing up in a house and around a ministry where we heard this preached all the time, I would hear my grandfather say, Righteousness is an old English word that means in right standing with God. But even that expression, now I don't know that we, we fully understand it. I mean, we, we don't use it quite as much, maybe even as they did 50 years ago. And so in seeking the Lord, it's like, how do you say this? How do you get this across? To be righteous, you and I might say it like this in our own relationships. When... Say a husband and a wife, if they've been at odds or they've been fighting or there's strife or division of some kind, and they want to get the air clear. They want to get everything settled because nobody likes living in that environment. May talk with one another, get everything worked out, and at the end of the conversation, which could be a short one, might be a long one, <laughs> depending on personalities or what happened, at the end of it, might look at each other and say, are we good? Are we good? Now, I kind of like it when two guys, two male friends have been fighting with each other. They can get to the bottom of it way quicker. <laughs> have you noticed this? They actually just start with, are we good? Doesn't require a lot of conversation. Don't got to go too deep. Just, are we good? We're good. What does that mean? Well, it means we're back in right standing with each other. <laughs> look at your neighbor and say it. Are we good? Are we good? Now look back at him and say, we good. We good. This is what righteousness, to be in right standing with God, literally means. You could go into the presence of God right now, just like we talked about last week, come boldly before the throne of grace, and in essence say to him, are we good? And you know what he would say to you? We're good. Now, that doesn't mean he approves of every dumb thing we do. And we miss it. We make mistakes. We sin. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. Because what does the blood do? It cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Things that weren't right. And when you boldly come before the throne of grace and you take that mercy and you are washed in the blood of Jesus, you can look straight into the eyes of God Almighty and say, are we good? And he'll say, we good. Nothing between us. But here's what I, I believe the Lord needs to highlight today or is wanting to for us. Just because you are approved of by him, accepted by him, and in right relationship with him doesn't mean you always will be with other people. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. 
It doesn't mean you always will be with every other man and woman in your life. Without a show of hands, I bet every one of us could attest in here to having been rejected, disapproved of, not in right standing with other people. But I want you to notice this in Scripture. Go with me, please, to the book of Psalms. Thank you, Lord. We're going to ask this question, what do we do when we're not approved of by other people? When we are rejected? When we're out of right relationship with others? Where do we go? What do we do? You're looking for Psalm 37. I don't want to take too long with this today, but I don't want to be in a rush. Is that okay? While you're looking at Psalm 37, let me remind you of the scripture we looked at over the last couple of weeks. And it was in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1, that said, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. We're going to look at some scriptures today, but you're going to see something And you're going to see more clearly maybe than you ever have the line that the scripture draws between the wicked and the righteous. Now we're going to look at a few verses and every time we come across the word righteous, I want to hear you say, that's me. Okay, so let's try it. Righteous, that's me. But you're also going to see the word wicked come up several times. So when you hear that, I want you to say, not me. See, all this is about identity. To claim to be the righteousness of God in Christ, you are claiming an identity. I identify as the righteousness of God in Christ. This word wicked that you're going to see here over and over, just like you see it there in Proverbs 28, the wicked flee when no one... There you go, not me. Try it again. The wicked... Flee when no one pursues. That's a lifestyle of fear. Running in fear all the time. But the righteous are bold as a lion. See, which of these are you identifying with? Now, the word wicked, (laughs) when you look it up, it literally means, of course, to do wrong, to be wrong. But we're not focusing on what's wrong, are we? This word means guilty. This word means condemned. But if that's not you, then you're not guilty. And you are not condemned. And the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are, who identify as the righteousness of God in Christ. That's me. Did you find Psalm 37? We could read this entire psalm, but for uh, uh, time's sake, I want you to skip down with me. Down around, let's begin down around verse, uh, look at verse 12. Psalm 37, verse 12. We'll read several verses here. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him. 
for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy to slay those who are of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart. Their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked, that's not me, shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Does that mean the Lord upholds you? Yeah, why? Because you're the righteous. That's you. You're the one not condemned. You're the one not guilty. It says their inheritance, talking about the righteous, their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. In the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish in the enemies of the Lord. Like the splendor of the meadows shall vanish. Into smoke, they shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay. Oh, you got quiet. According to scripture, it is a wicked thing to borrow and not repay. But that's okay because that's not you, right? That's right. But the righteous, I said the righteous, shows mercy and gives. You said that's you? You're a merciful person? You're a giver? For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Verse 25, I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful, still talking about this righteous person. He's ever merciful in limbs. Is that you? His descendants, your descendants are blessed. Said in verse 27, depart from evil and do good. Dwell forevermore for the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous, you want to know about you? Let me tell you about you. You're going to inherit the land. You're going to dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous, listen to what comes out of your mouth, wisdom. You speak wisdom. His tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. But the Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him. Talking about you. The Lord is not going to leave you in the hand of the wicked. The Lord's not going to condemn you when the wicked tries to judge you. So verse 34, what do you do? You wait on the Lord. You keep his way. He's going to exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you're going to see it. You're not going to be the one cut off, but you're going to be the one that sees the wicked, the guilty, the condemned cut off. He said, I've seen the wicked. That's not me. In great power and spreading himself like a native green tree, he said, yet he passed away and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he couldn't be found. Mark the blameless. In other words, identify these people. Mark them. Mark the blameless man, the blameless woman. Observe the upright for the future of that person is peace. 
but the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked is going to be cut off, but that's not your future. Verse 39, but the salvation of the righteous, your salvation is from the Lord. He is, the, he is your strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord will help you, deliver you. He'll deliver you from the wicked and save you because you trust in him. Wicked? Righteous. Condemned? Not condemned. Guilty? Not me. Not guilty. That's you. That's you. Now back up to verse 25, and let's just look at this for a few minutes here. Psalm 37, verse 25. David in this psalm said a number of things about the righteous, about the promise to the righteous. But I want to draw your attention to this one today. David said in verse 25, I have been young and now I'm old. I was meditating on this verse all day yesterday, actually for several days this week. And I nearly can't get past that one statement right there. I have been young and now I'm old. Anybody have that same testimony in here this morning? <laughs> no matter what age you are, every one of us could say I have been young and now I'm at least older, right? But I got to thinking about what that one half sentence means. I was young, now I'm old. And there's a lot in that. To be able to say that means that you've lived a life and the Lord's kept you. And he's sustained you. And along the way, he's provided. Along the way, he's healed you. Along the way, this thing that came and tried to take you out and take you down wasn't able to take you out, wasn't able to take you down. You were young, and now you're old because of the goodness of the Lord. And as I was meditating this, just this one statement, it got me thinking about my grandparents, Sarah's grandparents. Just a week or so ago, we got to spend a few days with Sarah's Mimi and Papa, who are some of our most faithful legacy church members uh, they live in Branson, Missouri. They kind of live the furthest from the house, but they watch. They are a part of these services, actually maybe watching us right now. Love you, Mimi. Love you, Papa. Uh, but we got to spend some good time with them. You know, and they could say, they could say the same thing David said. I was young, now I'm old. But what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means you've seen some stuff. It means you've been alive on this planet and up walking around long enough where you've seen some stuff. And one of the things I love and have come to love and appreciate, value and honor more than I ever did as a younger man about my grandparents and about that generation, I, I, I love how cool they are. I love how they don't lose it over stuff. They're looking at all the same news you and I are looking at. They hear all the same reports, living in the same nation, got the same government, got the same president, got the same Congress. But they just don't seem as affected by it. You know what I mean? Why? Because they've seen everything. 
yeah, I don't know, everything gets repackaged in new ways, and people are like, we've never seen anything like this on earth. Well, ask somebody who's up around 70, 80 years old. And you know what they're going to tell you? We've seen it. It maybe didn't look just like this, but we've seen it. I love, after everything they've seen, how cool they are. I want to be like that. I want to be 70-something, 80-something. Now, not like today, but I do want to possess that same stability. And I so value that and appreciate that about my grandparents, Sarah's grandparents. They have seen some stuff. And David, we know some stuff he saw. We know some of the experiences in his life, don't we? All the way back to when he was a young man. 17 years old. He thought he was just delivering some food to his brothers. And he saw a big old giant standing out on the battlefield and said, why anybody fighting this guy? I'll fight this guy. And changed the whole trajectory of his life. He's seen some stuff. Man, he was there when the Lord delivered the, his, the, the nation of Israel. He saw it firsthand how God was faithful over and over and over again experienced some things and now he's saying I was young now I'm old but notice what he says <laughs> almost in a way to sum up his life and his experience he says I've been young now I'm old but let me tell you what I've never seen you know what I've never seen I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I have never seen his descendants begging for bread. I'm an old man, and yeah, I've seen some stuff, but I've never seen that. I've never seen this one who is in right standing with God forsaken by God by God. Now, just a few chapters before this, David himself wrote, even when my mother and my father forsake me, he holds me near. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.